opened up the doors for me to do that for a season, a short season. And uh, I didn't know. All I could do is go in and do what I do. I don't know how it works. I don't know what makes it work. I can take you to scriptures and teach people about worship and about the presence of God, but I have never known what makes it work. I just know that when I sing, God likes to hear me and he comes near. And that's terrifying when you're going to a group of people who expect you to open up all these revelations to them. And the first time I ever went to Europe, I was invited to teach a week at a um, prophet school. And, you know, I had all my little teachings I could do, but the French are very passionate people, and they wanted the presence of God in a way that they'd not experienced. They were crying out for that, and enough of them had heard me to know that maybe they could latch on to whatever happened when I worshiped. Here's, well, let me finish telling the story. The first day I taught, and then I said, let's just worship. And I'm just, you know, have my eyes closed, I'm worshiping. I look up, and people are all over the floor. They've just gone down under the power of God because his presence is so strong in there. And the pastor who had invited me came to check to see what was going on. And he got to the door and went down himself. And he looked at me as he was going down and said, this is just the first day? Like, how are you gonna top this? And I didn't, know, I didn't know what I did. I didn't do anything. It was God, you understand? But I knew this. I knew that as long as the doors were open for me to go into these places, that when I left, it wouldn't be the same. There was something in the anointing that God had placed on me and the gift that he had given me that would begin to break things open in those countries. And the worship people, they would hear me just go off off the charts here and sing what God was singing through me. And because I didn't know what I was doing, it was I'm sure clear to everybody, they would think, I can do that. 
that's easy, I can do that. And they would be right. All it, all it took was hearing what God said and then singing it. when well when yeah we uh, when our kids were real small we went to the lighthouse of prayer out uh, the other side of our paler which is close to where we were living where our ranch was and uh, they had a, a guy who would come and minister about once a month this guy had a rare gift for the word of knowledge. I mean, he was a teacher, actually, at East Central University. I don't remember what he taught, but, but um, I mean, he, when he came and began to what we call prophesy over you, and it was actually a word of, of wisdom and knowledge, it was... He was reading your mail. I mean, he was incredibly accurate in what he was saying, at least to me. And so, um, I came up, I was standing in front of him, and he said, of course, he knew I played the piano because I had played the piano for worship. And he said, the day's going to come when you put your hands on the keys. People are going to start being healed. And I'm like, yay, that's good. And he said, you're going to sing in front of thousands. And the presence of God is going to, you know, come. And I don't remember what, what else he said. That was the day before recordings and all that kind of thing. <clears throat> but in my mind... that I only knew one way that could happen. And that's if you're, in a con you're doing concert tours and you're going into stadiums and big venues. And, you know, so I thought, okay, that's how it's going to happen. I'm going to be a star. And, uh, you know, if anything, the opposite happened. And I guess the first trip we went, we traveled, I was taking a worship team with me down to Suriname, which is in the northern part of South America, if you aren't familiar with it. it used to be Dutch Guyana. And uh, there was, they were going to have a conference there. And so it was like a celebration for the entire country that related to these particular people. So I, I took, I don't know, 15 people with me. And um, we, we were in an open air 
stadium type thing, concert venue, I don't know, big tall stage, and lots and lots of chairs going back a ways. But it, because it's in South America, you know, they needed it open air so it would stay relatively cool. And uh, I'm like, well, okay, yay, let's do this. So I don't know, the first night, second night, first night I was there, it is so incredibly hot. The only heat I can compare it to is what we have been through in this summer, except there was no air conditioning, except air. There weren't fans, there weren't, it was hot. And um, the sound equipment was that just cobbled together. John would have been horrified. I mean, they had huge speakers, let me tell you, they knew how to ramp it up, but as far as quality, mm -mm. <laughs> and uh, anywhere, we're, we're bringing this new style of music. They're still singing the songs that were written uh, like 30 years previous. And so they weren't doing current music at all. And we had learned music in their language, current songs in their language. I can still uh, speak a little bit of it. Um, so, because we were there to impart into them a new way of doing things that wasn't fed on emotions and feel-goods, it was fed on, oh my goodness, I'm in the presence of God. So, I'm standing there, hot, 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 with all these people that had come with me. And I'm thinking, I'm noticing things flying through the, stadium, whatever it, you want to call it, in the venue. And I'm thinking, what is that? And then I realize it's bats. And then I gave thanks for the bats because the lights were drawing bugs like nobody's business. Big bugs, little bugs, mosquitoes, other kind of biting bugs and the bats were eating them. So thank you, bats. Thank you, Lord, for the bats. Just put a hand on your head so the bats don't get caught in your hair. And I look out, and there were, I think, probably two or 3,000 people there. And these people had walked. They had taken buses. Um, we had to shut the meeting down by a certain time so the ones that were in buses could get a bus back home or they would be walking all night. So um, it was at that point, sweat just 
running off of me. Trying to overcome equipment that was not good at all. Trying to relax and let God do whatever he wanted to do. That I remembered that word. You're going to sing before thousands. Here I am singing before thousands. And um, I just I just started laughing. <laughs> this, I didn't know this. This is what you were talking about. <laughs> this is hard. This is so hard. But you know what? <clears throat> we went from there into the interior about 150 miles up the the Suriname River to the place where uh, the gospel was first brought to the interior. There was a Christian village in there. I saw the hatch marks on the the uh, shutters where they had been attacked and they tried to kill them because they were worshiping a new God, Jesus. And I... I, It was a hard trip getting there. We went by dugout canoe. And I sang there. But it did something to me to see people who had paid a high price to follow Jesus. Nothing about their lives was easy. The village was still had thatch roof huts that people lived in. There were a few concrete block buildings, but um, people all over the world literally give up their lives the day they decide to follow Jesus. The day they accept him as their Lord, they have just walked into a death sentence. And it changed me. And I knew that every place that I went, that I could sing whatever this is that happens when I sing, that that nation would never be the same. I knew Suriname would never be the same. The interior would never be the same. Not because I had been there, but because God had gone with me there. And I left a part of myself there. France was never the same. It will never be the same. Germany, Switzerland, England, Japan, Malaysia, Myanmar, Guyana. Is that all? 
Yeah, you went to French Guyana. When we're obedient, all it takes is obedience. God will lead you into amazing adventures. I mean, we don't ever talk about what we've experienced and what we've lived through. But when we do, people look at us like, whoa. But it was at that season that God wanted to change nations. He wanted to, for his presence to be released into these various nations that we were allowed to go to. Canada. I forgot about Canada. That's where I met Sean. Mexico. Mexico, yeah. Colorado, that's kind of like a foreign country. <laughs> that part of Colorado. When I, when I was able to go back and be in service with these people, the worship had changed. They were reaching out for the presence of God. They weren't just singing for the sake of singing. They were reaching out to worship the Lord. And we know that when God is worshipped, His presence comes and fills the place. It's like we're building a throne for Him to come and be seated on in our midst. And powerful things happen. I don't know why we're doing this this morning, but. What? Yeah. I was I was pretty protected from all that, but uh, the third night I think we were in. Paramaribo, Suriname, at this big venue. Um, that it is a country that had used to belong to the Dutch, and then um, there was a coup, and a guy took over that was did what he had to do to uh, gain power. So he was known for making people disappear. And, you know, we were more protected because we were Americans. But, uh, and the, the people were trying to look after us. But it's, it's a, I realized as I was up there singing doing this non-traditional stuff that they'd never seen, that this, a group of people came in. They had reserved the seats on the front. And it was this dictator and his entourage. And he was no longer the president, but the president was under his thumb. And I realized that the people that we were there with, I mean, they would let us get out of the country. 
if they got upset by what we were doing. But the people that we were leaving behind that had brought us in, their lives were on the line. So I prayed a whole lot in tongues upon that stage. <laughs> and, you know, they nothing happened, nothing, but it's hard to be relaxed when this stone cold killer, to be honest, was is sitting there glaring at you. But God protected us. Um, <laughs> we were, we probably have gotten more um, religious people don't like this kind of worship, this kind of preaching, this kind of stuff because it stirs stuff in them that they need to get rid of. And um, it challenges what, uh, what drives them. One time I had taken a group of college students as my worship team and kids are great, you know, they don't need sleep. <laughs> Just, you know, they'll haul, everybody haul into a van and... This was a rough country. This was Wisconsin. No, it was Minnesota, wasn't it? Up north. So we were invited, I was invited, and I brought these kids with me to be my worship team. And and I had ministered to their youth the night before. And, I mean, these kids had a great time. They were, you know, boogieing around. And, and I mean, it's just what kids do. You know, what I had, the kids I had been around, they were doing what the kids I'd been around did. And then the next morning was Sunday morning, and I was leading worship. And I... even know what key I do it in. There was a song that I wrote, and it's just a, ain't nobody, ain't nobody nowhere, ain't that can stop our God. I mean, that was it, pretty much. And, uh, I noticed several of the men in the congregation, along with the pastor and Jack, going out. And the church really wasn't any bigger. It was an old um, Lutheran church that was lined with tin. So that's, and they did that to amplify the sound. So the drums that <laughs> I had brought. I mean, it was like, it was crazy. And uh, so these guys go out, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. So we get, 
get through, and I'll let Jack, because I wasn't in the meeting. It was an impromptu elders meeting. understand why well, the kids upset. were just all of a sudden all the kids were in the church and the church was full the kids were on the front and, and the old established bunch that was in control and controlling the spirit they wanted to control everything that went on the thing too I was not the vessel that religious people wanted to receive number one I'm a woman and I'm not shy and retiring when I'm moving under the presence of God. Some have told me I can be scary, and I don't ever mean to be, but whatever. And I don't look the way they expected the worship star to look. I didn't act. I'm... I am who I am, and I didn't try to change me. You think uh, those kinds of things happen in different places? You know, you think in a third world country or something like that, or and even going up here to south of St. Paul. Uh, but we've also experienced that very same thing here mm -hmm. in, in this local area. We went to a church that I won't tell you they're still still going so but uh, the it was for the youth and the church was 
is packed out with young people. And they sat on one side of the church and the, the older, elder people came in and sat on the other side. And uh, Case played and sang and preached and uh, had a call of God and the whole front of the church filled up with kids wanting more. And not a single person that was a member of the church came up to help us. Not a single one. I looked over at the pastor and he was clipping his fingernails while these kids weeping. were weeping, crying out for God. I, I was I was overwhelmed. Shocking, actually. And sh shocked at this guy. So yeah, we've had some experiences. Whatever God calls you into, you're not always going to be received. If you are always received, you need to check your calling. Because religious people hate the move of God. They hate those that have been qualified by Holy Spirit. And they, it makes them uncomfortable and they try to shut you down. If you listen to people, you're never, you're never going to do anything for God. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And um, they expect you to back down, and when you don't, the fight's on. But God chooses vessels that don't fit the mold. Um, and it, it's it's good. Because if people ignore the vessel and just reach out for God, then you know, you know, they're going. Your your time with them is going to bear fruit. Our provider bearing fruit. You are enough. Jaira, you are enough. I will be content in every circumstance. Jaira, you are enough. Oh, Jaira. Forever 
is the lilies with beauty and splendor. How much more will he clothe you? How much more will he clothe you if he watches over every sparrow? How much more does he love you? How much more? It's more than you ask, think, or imagine. According to his power working in us, it's more than enough. It's more than you ask, think, or imagine. According to his power working in us, it's more than enough. Jireh, you are enough. Jehovah Jireh, you are enough. I will be content in every circumstance. enough forever enough always enough more than enough <clears throat> do you want us to go on or okay Go to wait. Oh. Let's do worship the great I am. Well, uh, she's figuring out what she's going to sing. I'll tell you another story. We were went down to Monterey, Mexico. And there's a couple there that from Ada actually had started the church there and had pioneered it. And we went down and Rachel was on one occasion was there and, and uh, they had a song that they had trans translated into translated. Spanish they'd heard it somewhere it, into Spanish and uh, they were singing it in Spanish and Rachel told this lady she said oh that's my mom's song and she said oh no that's not your your mom. She said, "This uh, fam there's a famous woman wrote this song." <laughs> so, she's famous. Famous but, in Mexico, which is famous in Mexico. Never somewhere that anybody would aspire to be famous. <laughs> I uh, I've told this story a time or two. Huh. Not in the post no, office. No, fortunately. Well, we did have it, you know, back here. Her and Sherry. <laughs> but uh, we in services there on a had a Sunday service, and it was 
a big gathering, a lot, and so we're having food after. And uh, so I'm milling around, and this little Mexican guy, just not very big at all, deep ridges in his face, just been out in the sun a lot, cowboy. And he comes up to me, and he's just talking to me like I can understand him. And I'm serious. I don't, I don't understand. He goes, he just keeps talking. And uh, I said it in every way I knew how. I know Comprende, know something, you know. I, I was saying, finally, nothing. He just continued to talk to me. And, and I see Kay, and I said, Kay, come here, come here, come here. Tell him that I don't understand Spanish. And she, she goes, no comprende or something, you know. No hablo espanol. No hablo espanol. I know about three words in Spanish, and that was it. <laughs> and he goes, I speak good English. <laughs> <laughs> Whereupon I turned to Jack and said, he speaks good English. And turned she, and walked away. And turned and left me. Left me <laughs> You're on your own with this and one. And come to find out, he had... He had been uh, on the King Ranch. He had worked on the King Ranch for 20 years and learned English there. But he spoke good English. And, and he did. He just had a really heavy accent. <laughs> I, I can tell you, I don't speak either one, what he was speaking or Spanish. It, it's, it's amazing who God will use. You don't have to, I don't know any language other than English, and yet I've been all over the world. <clears throat> I don't know what I'm doing, yet I've been all over the world. And the world has been changed because I stepped into nations when I didn't know what I was doing. And not everybody is supposed to go all over the world. <laughs> I'm laughing because Jack didn't want to go either. <laughs> but if you're willing to be used by God, even though you're the most unlikely, the most unsuited person that this world has ever seen, if you're willing, he'll use you in remarkable ways. Your qualification isn't from what you can or can't do. That's where God's been taking us all morning here with this, these stories. But he's telling us here that we have a place here that's ripe for harvest. And it needs someone like you, like you, like y'all, 
to be who you are in Christ and to you don't have to put on anything God in his infinite wisdom made a way for Jesus to come and live in us the great mystery it calls it just be obedient just be a Christian We're, I don't think we're bragging, telling what we're, but I, I know this. I went, uh, we flew into Mexico City, got off the plane, finally somebody picked us up, and we went around the, in the airport two or three times before we could get out of it, and made it to a church on, this was a Wednesday night, and they were sitting there waiting for the preacher to come. And uh, they said it was me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it until that moment. The next day we got on the bus and drove all day long to Veracruz, from Mexico City to Veracruz. It's dark when we got there. Got the bus down in a place that they couldn't cross the bridge, couldn't back out. It was in a mess. They said, they're waiting on you to preach. So awful foot, I go and go to a place and preach. And then the guy that had put it together, taking us down there, he said, tomorrow you're teaching on this. And I'm thinking, God, <laughs> I'm, I'd never preached on one of those deals. I'd prayed for a lot of people. In fact, when I was in Guyana, French Guyana, every kid that was in the service, I prayed for. I don't know why they brought all the kids to me, but None of the adults, but all the kids. The only adult I prayed for was a woman that was like 10 months pregnant, unable to have her baby. They brought her to me because they wanted that baby to be born alive. And uh, I, I made sure one of the people that was there Andre's mother, uh, I said, I want to know if she has the baby. And the next time I saw him and asked, I asked, did she have the baby? Yes, she had the baby after you prayed. So, a willing vessel is what we were. But you, it's the same here. You got the same opportunity to pour into people's lives. I'm more of a one-on-one -on -one person than I am big groups anyway, so. 
but I've been tossed into that arena a few times. And it won't kill you. It won't kill you. But it will draw out of you what God has put in you. So. Jack has been... Uh, He still does what he what he was uh, doing in French Guyana when they brought the children to him. He goes and sits in that coffee house, and whether they know him or not, little kids come up to him and want a hug. And because they feel safe with him, I think. And he's a pawpaw to the whole town. And when he hugs them, they go on their way. But they have been touched by someone who has been in the presence of God. And that goes with them. The same way, I mean, it's not just little kids. Um, adults come in. And they come over and they want to talk to him. They want to... Give him a hug. They want to. And he ministers to those people. Just by being there and being himself, he doesn't act ecclesiastical. He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't act religious. He's just Jack, who knows God and who spends time in God's presence. And. The people that come into that coffee house are drawn to that, and they need a touch of God's presence to t get them through the day. Years ago, uh, I'll tell this one, and then I think that's going to be enough. <laughs> oh, sure. Years ago, I... Uh, That gift was <clears throat> perverted some. The, uh, I began to cry out to God. Wanted to know why. I had gotten myself in such a mess. And the Lord spoke to me very clearly. He said, it's because you are giving yourself instead of me. He said, the reason they're coming to you is they need a touch from me. They want to know what I think. And not what I think, but what he, Jesus, what he thinks. He said, you're substituting yourself for me. And it changed my life uh, when he told me that. Made, a, made such a big difference. I began to understand uh, the difference between giving of yourself and giving Jesus. And if we'll just do that, 
the world will open up to us. Amen? Amen. You want to do that song or not? It's up to you. That's not. It's a good place to stop. God, God has plenty for us to do. And, but we don't have to put on anything to do it. We can do it without putting it on. All we have to do is give them Jesus. Amen. Father, It's all bring to remembrance. Isn't that where he's talking about his the women being in his life? Eugenia. Uh, starting at the sixth verse, I'm going to, I'm reading from the NIV. Now we'll start at the fifth verse, chapter one. I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. What? For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Bring to remembrance is how it reads in the King James. And sometimes we need to have services like this for Jack and I to bring to remembrance, and so you'll know. I'm sure as we've talked, you guys are remembering things that God has done in your lives and through you. But it's not ended. Jack and I, neither one of us can fly anymore because of various problems with us physically. So I'm not going to be able to go back to France, which I loved, or Germany, or England, or Myanmar, or 
But I can remember when I did go and how God sang through me, how Holy Spirit sang through me and changed that nation, changed those people, gave them a little bit more freedom than they had ever experienced. And so what we have done today is very scriptural. We need to remember where we've, how God provided for us. So that, I mean, Ronnie has this dream and quite honestly, there's no way in the flesh he can do it. But God, as he takes one step at a time, there's others of you, even though we're not a large group, that God has ministry for you. And he will show you, if you're willing, that's all he asks. He will qualify you. He will teach you what you need to know. All he asks is that you be willing to be obedient to what he's telling you to do. It may look crazy. It may look impossible. But he is the God of the impossible. Pray. Father, I thank you for this time in your presence. Jesus, thank you so much. Lord, I pray for these nations that at one time you sent me to. I pray that there is still fruit being born by the ministry that you did through me and through Jack. I pray for France. Let your freedom arise in France. Let your worship arise in France. Lord, I thank you that you are our provider. You are Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And you delight in bringing us face to face with an impossible situation and then providing in ways we did not expect. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for what we have all done and experienced in the past. And I thank you for what lies ahead because it's greater. It's bigger. And Lord, all I can say is continue to be Jehovah Jireh to us. We thank you for that, Lord. 
in Jesus' name.